Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Majority of things in like the wellness space are just big red flag. Anything that's claiming that it's going to cure some kind of condition, anything where there is someone recommending something and they don't have any qualifications in that space, Hello, hello, and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters. I'm your host, podcaster Belle Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me. I have got one of my favorite guests on today, someone I adore following online. We've become social media pals. And on the show, we are joined by dietitian Sophie Reinflesch, also known as Healthy Bod, Healthy Mind. Now, I came across Sophie's work online, and I love her anti-diet culture approach. Sophie helps her clients and community find food freedom and is a disordered eating dietitian. Sophie has a skill for breaking down the science so it's easy to understand and it's still fun. And that's what you're about to hear. Now, what happens when we have a restrictive mindset? And why do we binge eat? How can we take the focus off our weight when it comes to food and exercise and reframe our negative body image beliefs? Plus, we play red flag bingo in the health and wellness space. And we're busting myths. Is apple cider vinegar actually good for you? And what's the deal with greens powders, collagen, and a liver detox? Trust me, the tea is about to be spilled. We do touch on disordered eating, not in graphic detail. If this is something you're struggling with, please consult your healthcare professional. And I'll leave resources of where you can get help in the show notes. Before we get into it, please make sure you're subscribed to the Self Love Club on your podcast app now and follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Follow me at Belle Crawford and all the details are in the show notes. Here's my conversation with Sophie. Enjoy. Sophie, welcome to the Self Love Club Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very excited. Yay, I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, I've had you on my radar. I found you on, I think it was like TikTok or Instagram. Instantly love what you're all about. So tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. So I am an online dietitian. So I have my own clinic called Healthy Bod, Healthy Mind, um, which is the same name as my Instagram and my TikTok as well. But basically I have like a non-diet approach to nutrition. So I see clients in clinic online, Um, I also make a lot of content for Instagram and TikTok and that kind of thing. Um, I also do recipe development and photography and yeah, I think that's kind of like mainly what I do at the moment. Yeah, I (laughs) love it. All very cool. Now we're going to go through all that soon, but take us back. Where did you grow up and growing up? Did you know what you wanted to do at all? Yeah. So I grew up in Melbourne. Um, I lived there until I was about 22 and now I live in Brisbane, obviously in Australia. I then went to university to do a Bachelor of Science because I had no idea what I wanted to do and everyone was like, yeah, just go really general and then you can kind of figure it out because I was always very into science and that kind of thing. 
Um, so I did a three-year um, undergrad of science and majored in pathology, which is the study of diseases. So that was really interesting. Kind of like a, about halfway through that degree, I realized that I wanted to do nutrition and was really interested in nutrition. I think probably fueled by, you know, being very stuck in diet culture and like wanting to be as healthy as possible and, you know, being very obsessed with that. And I think I just wanted to learn more about it. So I think that's kind of what spurred me on to go down a path um, in the nutrition space. And then I ended up doing a master's of dietetics up in Brisbane at UQ. And then, yeah, became a dietitian. Now, talk us through your own sort of so many of us, like all grew up with yep. diet culture, right? Magazines. And of course, if you have a personal interest or you're intrigued or you have struggles and things, you know, what yep. was your sort of, I guess, relationship with that? And obviously you had this curiosity, but yep. how did that come into play and in what you've done work-wise and, and studying that? Yeah. So I guess for me, it kind of, I fell down like a rabbit hole of diet culture, Probably it must have been around the start of year 12. So when I was like 17, 18, which is like the time where it happens for a lot of people I find. But basically I'd been on um, a six week trip to France and I'd like stayed with a family. It was like exchange for school. And I just remember like I was so hungry all the time over there because they eat such small portions of food and they eat much more rich food. So they'd have like a bowl of chocolate milk and chocolate cereal for breakfast and like then not eat anything until lunchtime. And I was like, I'm so hungry. I'd be sitting at school like they wouldn't have snacks or anything like that. I remember them saying to me, oh my God, Sophie, you're so greedy. Because I was like, can I have some more food? Oh my God. And I think I came back from there and like, I think I must've maybe gained a few kilos because I was eating foods that I wouldn't normally eat. And I was just really hungry when I was there. So I was just trying to eat as much as possible. And they had, you know, very energy dense foods. I think I'd gained some weight. I came back and I just remember looking in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I I need to lose weight. So I kind of started running and exercising and counting calories. And I lost a lot of weight over kind of six months or so. And everyone was commenting on, you know, oh my God, you've got a box gap. Oh my God, like you're so thin now. Like, and that kind of like fueled things even more, I guess. And then I think it got to a point where I had lost my period for three months and I was like, this, something's wrong here. Like this should not be happening. And I remember like texting one of my friends and I was like, I've lost my period. I think it's from not eating enough. And she's like, okay, well maybe you should eat some more. And I was like, okay. So I started eating more, got back on track in like a healthier way. But I think I still was very obsessed with everything needing to be healthy and, you know, going vegan for months to try see if that was going to be the healthiest way to eat. And, you know, everything was very like all or nothing. And I think it just got to a point where I was like, this is not okay. Like this is not right. And I think then obviously when I started learning more about nutrition and learning nutrition um, at university, I was like, okay, like this makes a lot more sense. Like the scientific side of things and learning more about stuff, like made it easier for me to eat in a healthier way, I guess, and not be, as restrictive um and I think I just yeah learned a lot from that and gradually kind of let go of control over the food yeah it, it definitely took a long time of kind of like unlearning a lot of that diet culture you know rhetoric that's kind of what's really fueled where I am at the moment because I 
see that so, so often in, you know, clients that I see in clinic. And I'm like, I have been exactly where you are and I know how it feels, but I also know the other side now that, you know, it does not have to be like that. You don't have to be hating your body. You don't have to be restricting any type of food. You know, you can eat everything and still live a really, really healthy lifestyle. Yeah, that's such a familiar sort of place to be and everyone's different and everyone has different experiences, but it was very much the, I forgot about the box gap thing, sorry, as a massive storm here right now, so there (laughs) might be a bit of rain in the background. Box gap, which sounds weird to say, you know, Instagram, I remember. That's like exactly when I grew up, it was like Tumblr and like workouts online and like I remember like going on YouTube and like being in my room doing like crunches and stuff I'm like why the hell did I do that it's so ridiculous and I actually did have an eating disorder when I was younger but you know it was that time of I would drink coffee or a drink instead of eating terrible like do not ever do that you could have that and eat of course we're going to talk through things but yeah yeah, it was very much like Instagram was very um all these like clean eating and all these fitness models I just remember following all that and going for my fat burning walks and all this stuff it's so, oh, exactly. like, it's, I'm so pleased that things have changed a lot now, but obviously like it's still a thing. And, and I guess yeah. when we've been raised or have these internal thoughts, it's not that easy to just change it really, is it? Yeah, it's really hard. And I think especially even for like our parents' generation and that kind of thing, it was so much worse back then. And then that's obviously infiltrated through our upbringing and that kind of thing. I even remember like as young as, you know, maybe when I was like seven or eight and like going out for lunch or dinner with my parents and asking my mom like, okay, what's the healthiest thing on the menu? Like, you know, and like asking her questions, like if I only ate grapes, like would I gain weight? Things like that, which is just so ridiculous that a child is like thinking about that kind of thing. But yeah, it's just so kind of like ingrained, I guess, in society and in our culture. Yeah, and especially when, you know, like you say, when you're on your exchange, people commenting on, I know I had that, like people would comment on what you were eating and yeah, I was hypersensitive or whatever, but that sort of makes you think, oh no, am I eating too much? Like, am I too big? You know, all those things, you're very impressionable, right? Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter whatever size your body is or anything like that. Any type of comment like that can affect anyone. And so I think that's why I'm really very much against like ever commenting on anyone's body or what they're eating or anything like that because it can influence so many people. Even commenting on your own body around other people can have a huge impact on how they feel about themselves as well, which is something I think a lot of people, you know, don't even really register or think about. Mm. How were you able to, and I know it's a really hard thing, but then change your way of thinking and nourishing and taking better care of yourself. And I feel like this will come into play with how you then help your clients as well. So how does that all happen? I think like what people don't necessarily realize is that it's not like an instant fix. It's a very kind of like slow process and kind of, I guess like how I work through it with my clients is like we challenge those negative thoughts around food and their body. And it's just like continuously trying to challenge those and essentially do the opposite of what that voice in your head is telling you and trying to rationalize those thoughts as well. I think a tool that I use a lot um, with my clients is journaling because I find a lot of the time when those thoughts are in your head and like swirling around, you don't necessarily even realize you know the impact that they're having or the fact that they're not even true or you know rational thoughts and then when you kind of write them down and have a look at them you're like wow why the hell am I thinking like that so ridiculous and I think another thing that I really like to use as well is thinking of those thoughts then as imagining if your best friend was saying that to you about themselves 
and kind of how you would respond to them. Because I think a lot of the time we're so hard on ourselves and, you know, we would never say that to another person. So I think trying to, I guess, externalize those thoughts and feelings and look at them from a more outside perspective can really help. And I think as well, like thinking about, you know, how things are going to affect your body more so in a um, how you feel sense rather than trying to do things just to look a certain way. Because the reality is looking a certain way, it does not get you very far in life. Being able to feel happy and feel good about yourself and feel strong and feel confident is so much more important than, you know, being a size eight. Yeah. And also, I guess, functioning, something I've found good as well is function, uh, focusing on how you can help your body function. You know, like I'm going to feel strong. I'm not going to feel fatigued. I'm going to get good sleep. You know, like think about those things, I guess, more practically rather than the physical. Exactly. Another question I've had that you've sort of started to answer it in terms of like reframing that thinking. A lot of people ask me at the moment, and I know it's something we all struggle with in a diet culture, calorie counting sort of world. How can we take our focus off weight and our bodies when it comes to food and exercise? I know that's a very big question. Like I was saying before, like focusing on how things make you feel, which is what I focus on a lot. Um, with my clients, I think, you know, finding movement or exercise that makes you feel good and that you actually enjoy rather than doing something just solely because it burns the most calories or the same thing with food as well, like choosing foods that you actually want and then also focusing on foods that make you feel your best. So really focusing on how food makes you feel and really tuning into like your hunger and fullness cues as well, because I find a lot of the time, especially if you've come from a background of calorie counting or restriction, a lot of the time those hunger cues are very out of whack and, you know, unreliable. So I think really trying to focus in and understand like what your body actually needs because yeah a lot of the time we tend to ignore those if we're counting calories or you know letting an app dictate how much we eat it definitely takes some time to kind of relearn how to listen to your body I guess yeah I know you're really big on that not counting calories thing which I love because for a lot of people yeah that might work for you but for a lot of us you could become really obsessive and it's just something you shouldn't need to focus on right like you can eat food and not have to think about the numbers and there's so many other things to think about in life and put the focus instead on nourishing yourself so do you ever get not pushback but do you ever find it interesting being a dietitian in the space that isn't calorie focused I think like obviously majority of the clients that I get understand that that is not going to be my focus which is I guess why they come to me Um, but I definitely have seen people who are very deep in calorie counting and want to do that and I just kind of that's not something that I do or recommend and I think you know there's a place for it with certain people who maybe have a really good relationship with food and but they're fine doing it and they enjoy it and whatever like that is absolutely fine but I find probably like 90% of the time even if you are okay doing it, it's not something that you want to be doing long-term and it's not something that's necessarily, you know, healthy to do long-term either because I think even if you feel like you're okay doing it, a lot of the time it's still having, you know, negative consequences on your mental health and your relationship with food. Obviously in very special cases, if they, you know, need to understand how much food they have to eat and that kind of thing. But I think as I said, only in the very short term, it would not be something that I want to be doing for months and months and months, because I just think it's such a waste of time and energy and brain space. Mm, Totally. I want to touch on the, the, you've sort of talked about it a bit already, that restrictive mindset, which 
at yeah. times I think everyone finds themselves in especially if yeah. they've gone on and I'm saying in brackets a diet which we don't like yeah. it's all about eating yeah. nourishing I don't like saying good or bad food either we're going to get to that soon yeah. but you know what happens when we have a restrictive mindset because often then an actual binge or overeating and it makes you feel really worse can actually happen yeah. right Absolutely. I think a lot of the time, obviously, when we're feeling deprived, and that can be in a mental sense or in a physical sense as well. So you can be physically restricting your calories where your your body isn't receiving enough calories to actually function at its best. So then it's kind of getting to that point where it's like, we need energy. And that's often when you feel like you overeat or you have a binge eating episode and eat a lot of food at once. Or otherwise, it also can be in a mental sense. So a lot of the time, especially I see that in people who have restricted their intake for a long period of time and now maybe are eating enough to support their needs, um, but they're still having that mental restriction where, you know, they're still saying to themselves, oh, I can't eat that block of chocolate because I'm going to overeat if I have it, or I can't have ice cream because I haven't exercised today, or, you know, something along those lines where it's that mental restriction where then when they do have it, they feel guilty for having that food. And then that can also fuel um, an overeating episode or a binge eating episode because of that kind of mental guilt and restriction um, and deprivation. What's a better way to approach that? Because I think most of us don't want that to happen. We don't want to feel worse and it's not good for us. So what's another approach we can take? Because I think you see so much of it. People are, oh, I'm just cleaning up my eating. I've had friends that are saying, oh, you know, I didn't have any sauces on my food for this time and yeah. I'm not having any like chocolate or like snacks or anything, you know, being very yeah. restrictive. But what's a better way to approach that to avoid yeah. that happening? Yeah, so a way that I, I really like to look at it is thinking about, okay, what can I add to my plate or add to my diet? That's going to make me feel more nourished, add more color, add more nutrients and that kind of thing, rather than what can I take away so that I'm eating healthier? So for example, if you can have a bar of chocolate or something like that, but then can you add some fruit on the side or something else to make it a bit more filling and a bit more nourishing so that you're not taking away that chocolate. You're just adding more nourishing foods to what you do want to have. I think that's a really healthy and good way to look at it where it's more of an abundance mindset rather than a restriction mindset. I think the other thing as well that I find can be really helpful is normalizing having those foods that you have been restricting so for example a lot of the time I'll recommend if they if someone loves chocolate and they restrict chocolate they don't allow themselves to have it in the house because they know if they have it in the house they're going to eat the whole block so I say okay let's buy like five or ten blocks of chocolate and every time you eat one I want you to replace it so there's always like 10 blocks of chocolate in the house. And essentially what that helps to do is allow people to kind of get away from that scarcity mindset where they're like, oh, I need to eat this chocolate so it's out of the house and I don't eat it again. Or, you know, I'm not allowed to have this, so I better just eat as much of it as possible now so that, you know, I can be good for the rest of the week or whatever it is. And by having it there all the time, you kind of normalize it being there and you get used to it and you're like, well, I don't really feel like chocolate. And it kind of gives you back that power to actually decide whether you want to have it or not and be more in control of realizing, okay, well, 
eating five blocks of chocolate isn't going to make my body feel good. What is going to make my body feel good and what can I eat that's going to make me feel good? But if I do feel like chocolate, it's there and I can have it. And I find what happens a lot of the time is people forget that it's even there, you know, after a while. And of course, like in the first week or so, you'll probably eat two blocks of chocolate in a day or, you know, whatever it is after you give yourself that time to get used to it being there. It becomes so much easier. It's almost like, you know, when you're a kid and there's, you know, you go to a birthday party or something and there's that one kid there who their parents don't let them have any chocolate or sugar or anything and they're going nuts and they're like all on the food table, like eating everything. Whereas the kid who, you know, is allowed to have some lollies and ice cream and stuff at home, they're not really phased. They're off like playing and doing other things. Yeah, that's so true. I found that very helpful. It's like if you, different from food, but if you were to say, I'm not going to go on my phone or I'm not going to use social media ever again, all I'm going to think about is that thing. And so if you don't do that to yourself, like I I just, No, my my brain does not work that way. I'll just start hyperfixating and it'll be all I can think about, right? I love that. And that brings us on to labeling foods as good and bad because I think we've all sort of grown up with that. I mean, we know that other some foods have better nutritional value than others, but talk us through that. Yeah, so I really try to steer away from labeling foods like good or bad because what makes a food good and what makes a food bad like it's really there's no kind of I guess like diagnostic criteria of what makes a food good you know um so I think trying to just think about foods as what they are like it's something that you can have a little bit less of or something that's maybe more nutritious what I like to think about is all food has some kind of nutritional value like there's no food unless you're just having water as hydration but like (laughs) you know some kind of food that has absolutely nothing in it that's going to be a food that's not even a food thinking about foods as they all contain different nutrients they all contain different things and yes we may need some nutrients in higher levels and some in lower levels just focusing on you know the fact that food is just food they all just have different purposes and are required in different amounts and that's fine. But I think taking away that moral value from food can be a really helpful way of feeling less guilt around food because there's no reason to feel guilty for eating anything. What happens, and I guess it's similar to that restrictive mentality, what happens when you take away the guilt surrounding food? You kind of just see it as food and you're like, well, I can eat a donut if I feel like it and that's fine. I can then eat some veggies later on because I know that's going to make me feel good. Um, And it doesn't make me a better or worse person if I'm choosing a salad or whether I'm choosing a burger. Like it has no difference as like going back to what I said before, like thinking about how that food is going to make you feel and choosing foods that make you feel the best majority of the time and then choosing those foods that you really enjoy the other like bit of the time but I think when you really focus on choosing foods that you know nourish your body and feel good for you then you're going to be feeling good about the food and the food choices that you're making as well still to come we're busting myths does drinking hot lemon water in the morning actually have health benefits and what's the deal with gut health supplements we see being flogged online And get ready for Sophie's biggest red flag in the health and wellness space. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're going to talk more about food ideas and things soon, but I wanted to do a quick fire because I know that you debunk a lot of myths, which I love. And (laughs) with like, you know, you should always listen to people who have expert advice on these things. So I've gone through a lot of your work and had a look. So people often ask about these things. Uh, Is drinking apple cider vinegar in the morning good or bad for you? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's bad but it's not going to be a miracle cure the other thing as well I guess with the apple cider vinegar is it's very acidic so if you're just having apple cider vinegar and not diluting it it is going to erode your tooth enamel so we don't want that um I would probably say there's not any huge evidence to say you need to be having apple cider vinegar so it's a no from me (laughs) there's nothing beneficial really about doing it no no I think if you're diabetic, potentially there is some small evidence to say that it could help stabilize your blood sugar levels if you're having it before a meal, but anything acidic is going to do the same thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be apple cider vinegar. You could be having some lemon juice on your food or something like that is also going to be helpful. You don't have to be drinking apple cider vinegar from the bottle. <laughs> yeah. That brings us on to another one, which you see so many people doing and swearing by is having hot water and lemon in the morning, like chugging a oh, big yeah. thing of it, good or bad. I mean, it's water, so we we love water. That's great, but the lemon juice is not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, it's flavoring the water. So if you love um, lemon water, go for it. If you don't love lemon water and lemons are expensive and you you know can't afford them, just have a glass of water. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and just like the hot, you know, the hot water thing. You're like, oh, it, yeah. What's the? What's I don't the know why that's that? a thing either. Um, you can have cold water if you prefer, especially if it's hot. Like, who's having lukewarm water? It's kind of not very nice. <laughs> yeah. Another quick fire: celery juice. What's the deal with that? Oh, I hate celery juice I hate (laughs) I hate this trend um it's no miracle cure it's not going to cure cancer it's not going to so many of the claims about it are absolutely ridiculous and it's literally just celery juice like it's nothing crazy I think eat your celery and drink your water and you'll be fine (laughs) yeah because like with the juice thing like if you're I've I've never actually had celery juice before by the way not interested because I would rather eat it is wouldn't it be better for you to actually eat the the stuff and the the fiber or whatever is in it rather than wasting and just getting like a bit of the celery juice so to speak absolutely I think juicing in general is not something I love it's not like huge health benefits or anything like that definitely for me I would much prefer to eat the food and have all of that fiber because fiber is so good not only for your bowel function and like making you have like a nice little stool (laughs) um, but also just like supporting your gut bacteria and feeding those and all of that kind of thing where when you juice something you remove all of that fiber and you're losing all of those benefits. Like, there's no point. <laughs> yeah, it's such a mess as well to clean out. I used to have a juicy oh, bag, and now I'm just like, absolutely not. I'll just stick with my, Take like, a, a blender, Smoothies. like, a neutral yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one in our quick fire. This new trend of, we're seeing a lot of, of these caffeinated greens or greens powders. Yes, I did hear about these caffeinated greens this week, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but... Apparently it's just greens powder with caffeine added. Um, (laughs) Firstly, 
greens powders themselves, I'm not a huge fan of. First of all, I think most of them taste like shit. (laughs) Don't love that. (laughs) And again, would much prefer to eat my greens and get in all of that good fiber and enjoy it rather than having water with some like wheatgrass flavor stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah. So there's not huge benefits to having a greens powder if you're already having like a really balanced diet and getting in lots of fruits and veggies and that kind of thing. The other thing with greens powders is we don't actually know how much of each vitamin or nutrient is in there, especially it's gone through a lot of processing. It's sitting on the shelf for who knows how long. And so sometimes a lot of the nutrients can be degraded by the time you even get the product home and make it yourself. You know, they're a bit of a waste of money. They're also quite expensive. So it's so much easier to just eat your greens and then just drink a cup of coffee if you want to have some caffeine. You know, easy and more delicious. (laughs) I love that. Totally. And the thing with powders as well, I remember a new naturopath telling me years back that a lot of these powders and there's so many different ones now, they, the food grade level. And so it's hard to, they're not like practitioner grade level. So it's hard to generalize on powder. But I see you talk about these powders that a lot of us are spending, you know, people are spending a lot of money on. They can be like yeah. 70 plus dollars. Oh, exactly. What For like you, a month's worth or, yeah. you know, however much it is. What do you think about, and it's hard to say like powders in general, but what do you think about some of these that you're getting asked about? Oh, absolutely. In general, I say, I would say no to pretty much 99.9% of any supplement kind of like that, where it is, yeah, like a food grade supplement, the powder will be getting degraded. We don't actually know how much of whatever nutrients they're saying is in there is actually in there by the time it gets to you. And I think, yeah, the other thing is, you know, what is it actually doing? Is there any science to back up? you know, a lot of these claims, or is it just an influencer who's made some kind of gut health powder and is now selling it to people and saying, this is going to do make your skin glow, like make you have no bloating and all of this, all of these claims, which don't actually have science to back it up as well. Um, The only powder that I would probably recommend would be protein powder and maybe creatine if you're into like strength training and that kind of thing. What about collagen? Because that's a big one that people are all about. There is some evidence to back up collagen powder in terms of reducing fine lines and that kind of thing. But again, the difference that it's going to make is very minuscule. If you have the money to spend on it and want to do that, like absolutely go for it. There's no harm in doing it. But I think for the majority of people, just making sure that you're eating enough, eating fruits and veggies, eating a varied diet and a balanced diet, you know, staying out of the sun and wearing sunscreen, like that's going to be doing so much more than what this expensive powder is going to be doing for you. What about last one on here, uh, liver cleansers? Oh God, (laughs) don't get me started. I think anything that's like a cleanse or a detox is straight up a fad. Um, Your liver detoxifies your entire body. It does not need detoxing itself. That's like its literal job inside of your body. There's nothing that you can really do. If your liver did need detoxing, you would be in a hospital because you would be dying. (laughs) Yeah. You know, don't get caught up in anything that is a cleanse or a detox because 99 percent of the time unless as I said if you're in hospital and you need some kind of detox you are severely unwell (laughs) yeah totally what about things like prebiotics probiotics things like that for your gut health yeah so prebiotics are fiber which you can get from fruits and veggies and whole grains and nuts and seeds um so you don't necessarily need a supplement for that if you're having a very good balanced diet probiotics again you can also get through food so anything that is fermented will have some kind of probiotics which is the 
essentially the live good bacteria. Um, so that would be found in things like your yogurt or kimchi or kefir or anything like that, which is a fermented food. And yeah, again, for the general population, if you're generally pretty healthy, I'd say don't waste your money on getting a probiotic supplement. Just make sure you're eating probiotic rich foods and you will be fueling your gut bacteria as best you can. Yeah. So you wouldn't even need much of those things each day either, would you? Like yeah. yogurt or, you know, if you're introducing exactly. some kimchi. Like you don't, so you could have literally a, a, a serving size or whatever you're having and that would be... Yeah enough definitely yeah and with probiotics it is something you want to be having daily and consistently to see a benefit in your gut health because those good live bacteria only really do their thing when they're kind of like passing through your intestinal tract you do want to be having them kind of regularly or daily which I mean for a lot of people like a lot of people have yogurt every day like perfect that kind of thing um, which is much easier and much more cost effective I find than buying a supplement and popping 10 pills a day or, you know, whatever it is. Cause I see so many with crazy supplement regimes and I'm like, this is unnecessary. If you're just eating a general pretty balanced diet, you will be meeting all of these requirements without having to have a million supplements. People take things and they don't even know if they need it. And like you say, you can get a lot of things from your food and that also is kind of like leading into gut health. Like how can we Make sure that we're taking good care of our gut health. You've already told us a few things with those, you know, eating the probiotics and things. But yep. that's a big one at the moment is gut health and people wanting to yeah. work on that. Like what are some of the things you you teach around that? I do work with a lot of people who struggle with IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. So um, they struggle with things like bloating or diarrhea or constipation and things like that. So I guess like in general terms of gut health, we want to be focusing on, as I said, fiber or your prebiotics, your probiotics. And the other big one, which I recommend so much, um, would be managing stress because that has a huge impact on your gut health and gut related symptoms like bloating or diarrhea and that kind of thing, because there is such a big connection between your brain and your gut. There's a nerve called the vagus nerve, which runs from your gut up to your brain. For example, if you think about when you get nervous or something like that, and you get butterflies in your stomach, that is literally like the connection between your brain and your gut. So when you're feeling really stressed, a lot of the time, you know, you'll experience more symptoms like diarrhea or bloating or things like that. So a lot of the time I find that, you know, it may not be a need to cut out any certain foods or, you know, it's not necessarily that you're an intolerant to a food, but it's just that you're really stressed and you need to manage your stress better or maybe get more sleep because yeah, majority of the time I see people and I'm like, you don't need to be on any restrictive diet. You just need more sleep and more you time where you get to de-stress. That is such a big one and learning that your stress is directly linked to your gut health. Like what if, yeah. I mean, obviously you can do all the things to help yourself with those stress levels, yeah. but what if you are an anxious girly like a lot of us are? Like yeah. just every day you don't feel necessarily anxious, but that reaction in your body, you know, I think a lot of us, that's just how we are, even though we yeah. can do all the things to take care of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely working, you know, with a dietitian or with a psychologist and really like finding a way to manage those symptoms symptoms as best you can, because there's always going to be things that you can do better or different things that you can try. And I think especially with gut symptoms, it's so individual and everyone is so different and reacts to different things differently. So maybe it could be that you need to go on medication to like reduce your anxiety or eat some more fiber or a certain type of fiber, or there's so many different things that we can look at and work on. And it's just so individualized, which is why I hate when I see people online recommending, oh, this is what's cured my bloating, or this is fixed 
notice that when it's like, okay, but that's not going to work for everyone. The way that they portray it is like, this is the one cure. You know, the thing with IBS or managing those types of symptoms is that it is managing them. Like it's not that there is going to be something that cures them. It's just something that happens. If you're more stressed, they'll flare up, but having the tools to be able to manage them and know what your triggers are and what is causing these symptoms is the most important thing in being able to kind of like reduce those symptoms. That kind of brings us on to, and I really like your red flag bingo. So what are some more, that's one of them. What are some more of the things on your red flag bingo when it comes to the health and wellness space? Majority of things in like the wellness space are just big red flags, but I think anything that claiming that it's going to cure some kind of condition, anything where there is someone recommending something and they don't have any qualifications in that space. Um, Because a lot of the time you see like chiropractors recommending diet advice, like, well, why am I taking diet advice from a chiropractor? That's ridiculous. Um, Or a medium, you know, (laughs) not taking nutrition advice from someone who speaks to ghosts. Um, (laughs) The other things I would say would be if they're making just very generalized claims, like will improve gut health or will, you know, make your skin glow. Like you can't really quantify those things um so I think a lot of the time yeah they can just make very generalized claims and not really have to back them up um I think anyone that's trying to sell you something obviously if they're trying to sell you something they're gonna say it's good so that you buy it (laughs) like I said like anything that says detox or cleanse or anything ridiculous like that to steer clear of stick to getting your nutrition or health advice from qualified people and getting personalized advice because I think a lot of the time people don't necessarily want to get personalized advice because they're like oh it's too expensive or then they go and spend hundreds of dollars on random supplements so I'm like if you just did that from the start you would have saved yourself all that money but yeah I totally understand that it's not something that everyone has access to just being really wary and just not trusting anyone online I think is like my main tip because yeah there's so many so much misinformation out there and yeah if something's not feeling quite right or it seems too good to be true then it probably is and if people are struggling with access you know they can listen to things like these podcasts or scroll through your instagram or your tiktok you provide so much information and it's really helpful talk us through I, I find lots of ideas. I think over summer I was doing, I sort of was doing this anyway, but then yeah. I'd see your little bowls with like yogurt and, um, you know, it's the time of year when you're eating a lot of fruits and there's yeah. strawberries and peanut butter and putting things in it. So talk us through some ideas of building satisfying and delicious. Yeah. And I think the main thing as well is filling meals because when your people are trying to eat healthy and then oh, yeah. you're hungry, you know, like I, oh, I yeah. love a salad that has... <laughs> carbs or things in it that actually fill me up yeah the main thing I look at when I'm building a meal so this would be for like breakfast lunch dinner or when you're having a main meal what I try to focus on is making sure you're getting a source of carbs so whether that be some rice or pasta or oats or whatever it is a source of veggies or fruit a source of protein so whether that be like meat fish eggs yogurt dairy that kind of thing and then a source of fat as well so that could be your peanut butter your salad dressing 
dressing, your olive oil, cheese, nuts and seeds, anything like that. Usually by having those four components in some capacity in each of your meals, you are going to build a much more filling and nourishing meal, usually with the veggies or the fiber, veggies, uh, carbs and protein. I usually try to go like a third, a third, a third of your plate um, and then, you know, a couple of tablespoons of fat. And that is usually a very filling and nourishing meal. A few snacks throughout the day and, you know, you're feeling good. Yeah. What about some of your go-to snack ideas? Oh, yes. Okay. So usually I'll have something like a protein bar or a smoothie, like with protein powder and banana and whatever else I have on hand. Things like little cheese and crackers. Usually with snacks, I try to make sure that there's a source of protein or a source of like fiber or fat, because I find that by having those few things together, it usually makes for a more filling snack rather than just having something that's just carbs or just whatever else. By combining a few different components, it makes it a lot more filling. So for example, if you're having crackers, which it would be a source of carbs, and then some cheese, which is a, it's got some protein and some fat. So that makes it a lot more filling. Or if you're having a piece of fruit, like adding some yogurt or something, which is a source of protein. So bulking things up to make it a bit more filling and nourishing can then, you know, make sure that you're not hungry within the next half an hour or so. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than feeling hungry. And then especially yeah. if you're trying to, you know, nourish yourself and you're you're thinking about that and then you're you're hungry and then you might even end up having a binge or eating more things. Yeah. Like if you just did that right, then you, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't end up in that situation. I know. And I think that's the whole thing because a lot of the time I'm like to people, you're not eating enough. And they're like, yeah, but I'm trying to eat. I want to eat less because I want to lose weight or whatever it is. And then they just end up binging anyway. And I'm like, well, if you were eating enough throughout the day, you wouldn't be ending up binging and then probably eating much more than you would if you were actually just eating regularly and enough throughout the day. Like I know you and I as well, we're not focusing on weight loss for say, but there's, I think, a common misconception that you need to eat less. But sometimes it's like if you're not eating enough, then that can actually if you were trying to say lose fat or lose weight, yeah. then that actually doesn't really work. So talk us through that because I think people really need to get that in their heads a bit. Yeah. So naturally when you are not eating enough, like obviously to start with, you will start to lose weight because your body has to use up energy stores to keep your body running. But then essentially your body does adapt. If it gets used to, you know, not receiving enough energy throughout the day, they're like, your body's like, okay, well, we need to reduce the amount of energy that we're using because we're not getting enough energy. So that's when you see your metabolism, you know, slow down or, you know, you're maintaining your weight on that, you know, lower amount of energy that you're eating. And that's when people are like, oh, well, now I need to eat even less. That's not going to help you, you know, because you're going to be ending up eating nothing. You're going to be exhausted. Um, you're going to feel like trash and you're probably still going to just be maintaining your weight. You know, it's not something that I work with people on generally anyway. So to be fair, I don't have a lot of recommendations in that space because I'm generally like, well, let's just keep eating more. No. Let's not focus on the weight loss and let's focus on actually making you feel good. Because I find when you are trying to lose weight and focusing on the numbers, you are just not going to feel good mentally. You're going to feel like trash and it's not going to be great. People become obsessed with their metabolism and I'm like how do you know 
what your metabolism is doing. The first thing is your metabolism is changing every day, depending on what you're doing, how much activity you're doing, you know, what else is happening in your life, how much you're eating. You can't measure your metabolism, so you don't actually know what it's doing. It's actually irrelevant to your life. So we don't need to focus on your metabolism. Like who cares what it's doing, whether it's slowed down, sped up. It's not like you can talk to them and be like, hey, what's going on? You're feeling a bit, you feeling fast today or slow? Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think like focusing more so on eating to fuel having energy and being able to do all of the things you want to do or improve your performance in the gym or you know whatever it is that you want to do I think just eating and focusing on how that makes you feel rather than focusing on things that we can't control what about your go-to self-care what are some things you like to do to take care of yourself going for walks I love walk I like I'm obsessed with walking like I just love being outside and like just moving like it's just so fun I think the other thing that I really love as a form of self-care would be grocery shopping (laughs) which sounds so random but I just I don't know I put in my headphones I like take ages like walking through the aisles like it's just so relaxing and then like obviously having all the groceries to fuel myself throughout the week is also awesome and a great form of self-care so I don't know, those would probably be my top two. (laughs) Yeah, and I I noticed that you do get up quite early to go to the gym and, you know, exercise, which for me as well, exercise is a big part of my morning. I find, I used to do it at night when I was younger, but as you get older, everyone's different, but, and it depends on what you can fit in in your life or whatever. But I just find that if I do it then, it's done and it really makes me feel good for the day and, Uh you know, really helps with your mental health and make you feel clear and strong. Whereas as I get to the end of the day, I'm tired and I I don't, it's not as easy to feel. Anymore. And then you feel good afterwards for like the one hour before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. People often wonder like, how do you get up so early? I used to get up really okay. early as well, but now I'm trying to get back to even just getting up at 6, 6.30 kind of time. Oh yeah. I'm getting I, there after the holidays, you know. It is hard. It's not easy to get up early. And I think I get that question so much and I'm like, well, I just go to bed early. I set my alarm. And I think the other thing that really, really helps is I go to the gym in the morning with like two of my friends. One of them is my housemate. And so she is literally across the hall. So we'll be texting some mornings and be like, okay, should we have a sleep in? Yeah, okay, let's have a sleep. <laughs> but then like other mornings she'll be like, no, we're getting up and going. And I'm like, okay, like let's go. Yeah. So I think it's more so like I don't want to let them down and not go. So it's more so like having that community of people being like, all right, let's go and like helping me get up because otherwise every morning I'd probably be like, uh, maybe I'll just sleep in for another hour. It really sets me up for a really good day when I get up early. Now, what is some advice you would like to share with your younger self? Knowing what you know now, what yeah. would you tell her? Just that you, you don't need to change your body. You don't need to worry about being in a smaller body. It's not going to improve your life at all. It's not going to bring you happiness. Just do things that make you feel good and make you feel happy and focus on that rather than focusing on weight or scales or counting calories because that stuff is irrelevant in life and you'll be looking back when you're now 27 and be like, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah, that is such good advice and we can take that on board too. And what advice would you like to share? You've given us so much, but in terms of someone who maybe is listening that is really struggling with their body image and we all, no one has a perfect body. I mean, maybe you do, that's great for you, but what would be some advice for ways that we can help improve our body image and our relationship with ourselves? Focusing on how you feel rather than how you look. 
first of all, and focusing on building goals from that. So whether you want to be able to do a chin up or you want to be able to run three kilometers or whatever it is, focusing on those kind of goals um, rather than physical appearance goals, wearing clothes that make you feel comfy because when you feel self-conscious or especially if you're body checking a lot and that kind of thing, that's only going to be fueling that poor body image. So I think focusing on doing things and wearing things and builds up your confidence and makes you feel good and feel comfortable because there's absolutely nothing worse than wearing clothes that don't fit and you feel so uncomfortable and restricted and horrible. So buy clothes that fit, especially if you have maybe recently gained weight or lost weight or whatever it is, buy new clothes or, you know, go to Salvo's and like buy some cheap new clothes or just anything that's going to make you feel comfortable and good because yeah, there's nothing worse than just feeling horrible in your own skin I think those would probably be my main ones I think yeah just as well the other thing would be just focusing on things that make you feel happy and doing more of those things because I think a lot of the time especially like emotional eating and that kind of thing and leaning on food for comfort can stem from not having enough things that bring you joy in your life and it can be as small as like going to a new coffee shop and buying yourself a coffee or you know just doing little things in your life that kind of enrich your life and make you feel happier and you know more positive about life and give you something to like look forward to in your day because I find a lot of the time when we get up we go to work we hate our job we come home and then we binge eat it's because we're not doing things that are making us happy or we're feeling like we are seeking pleasure from food because we're not getting that pleasure within our life trying to find ways to incorporate more joy and fun into your life yeah totally and try to give yourself other things to think about rather than obsessing over your body and and food and how much you're exercising like when you're doing all of those other things and like having fun in life like you don't care about that kind of stuff as much yeah finding different hobbies or you know trying something new that's kind of going to stimulate your mind in a different way and kind of like get you thinking about other things is so, so helpful and so underrated. And finally, I just wanted to touch on quickly what you said before about, you know, it's a thing that happens to everyone at some point potentially where you may have, your clothes might not fit you or you've yep. got, like, I you know, people talk about in your 20s or 30s, I don't think there's an age for it, but it happens. Yeah. And it's something I'm seeing a lot online of people sort of talking about it, which is really cool. Like your body isn't always going to stay the same and that's okay. So if someone's going through that, I've definitely gone through that at times. And in the past, I'd feel terrible because I had an eating disorder and that still was healing from that. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, if it happens, you're like, oh, okay. Like, it, yeah, it makes you feel crap about yourself. Like, yeah, it's a bit of an annoying because you have to buy new clothes yeah. or you can wear what you want and that kind of thing. But just handling it a bit just, differently. Yeah. Yeah. Like trying to take yourself out of it and take the emotion out of it because like the reality is it doesn't matter what size your body is. Like as long as you are happy in life and doing things that make you feel good and fueling yourself well and nourishing your body and trying to care for yourself rather than trying to you know work against your body I find a lot of the time like you'll feel so much more positive about that kind of thing because it's hard to feel bad about your body when you're looking after it and taking care of it and you know doing your best to make yourself feel good not wearing clothes that don't fit and not holding on to them even like if you don't fit into something 
you don't need to keep it. You can get rid of it. You can buy new clothes. There's a million clothes in the world. Like we don't need, we don't need to hold on to those ones that don't yeah. fit. And no one knows what size you're wearing. No, like exactly. you can cut and the I labels think, out or whatever. Like oh, no one's going to go, oh, is she wearing a size 10 or is she wearing a size so 14 variable. or 16? You know, oh, so variable between totally. brands as well. Or even sometimes in the same brand, like in different sizes or whatever. So I think just choose the size of clothing that fits your body because your body is not meant to fit into clothes your clothes are meant to fit your body yeah I love that Sophie thank you so much for your time I might have to get you on another time if you're keen but I love (laughs) love what you're about and thank you so much for everything you've shared with us thank you so much for having me I loved it that's all we've got time for thanks so much for listening to the self-love club you can watch videos of my conversation with Sophie follow at self-love club podcast on instagram I'm at Belle Crawford, Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. All the details in our show notes. Plus, join our private Facebook group. And if you haven't already, please make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast app now. Select automatic download so new episodes weekly automatically load in your feed. And if you're enjoying listening, a huge support to us is leaving us a five-star rating on your podcast app and writing us a quick kind review and send a link to your friends maybe in the girls a group chat so they can listen to the self-love club as well i'll catch you soon bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.